0: Hello there, you're about to listen to an episode of Food and L Talk, Legacy Food and L Talks. You know, in 2023, Food and L Talks rebranded and relaunched as Changemakers, but all the episode we've recorded up to this point is still available for you to listen. I are just about to listen to one of them. Enjoy it. And don't forget, Food and L Talks is now Changemaker Podcast. Thank you. Welcome to a new episode of the Food and Health
1: Talks podcast, a show focused on educating and empowering people to create a healthier future through nutrition and wellness education. A show where you will find interviews with leading scientists making groundbreaking discoveries, innovators, and global food industry leaders. It is that show you do not want to miss with your host, Dr. Julia Oleanju.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Food and Health Podcast. On this episode, we'll be expanding our understanding of food and its impact on our gut health. If you've been curious to understand how uh, the food you eat impact your digestive system and your overall gut health, I'm excited to have a special guest today that can share as much as you need to learn about this topic. It is important to note that the information we're sharing today is absolutely for educational purposes only. It is simply to enhance your knowledge of food and your health. So if you have any questions, you could, you could pose the question directly to your healthcare professional. It is not designed to be medical advice, even though it's been shared by a licensed physician. So you do not want to miss any part of this ex- episode. It's our special guest is a physician. She's a naturopathic physician who believes and practices an holistic approach to overall well-being. Dr. Henry, it's such a pleasure to have you here today. I'm really looking forward to our conversation together.
1: Me too. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, that's great. So we'll get started. I always like to start with you sharing a little bit about you. Why did you decide to go into medicine? And um, how did you get to the point where you are today?
1: Yeah, you know, it's actually funny. I never wanted to be a doctor. My whole family is full of conventional doctors. So my mom, her two sisters, their two husbands. So Christmas dinner for me was always them exchanging horror stories from the emergency rooms at their respective hospitals my mom used to have these terrible medical magazines that she would set on our kitchen counter that would have like oozing toes and (laughs) bleeding appendages and all this stuff and i was like no that's not for me (laughs) And so I actually started having my own health concerns when I was a teenager. And as you can imagine, I was not too enthused about going to see a doctor after experiencing all of that. Um, I actually had a period initially and then didn't get my period after that, just one time only when I was 13. And I started to gain weight and I had bloating and I had acne everywhere and hair in places I I didn't want it. My mother tried to convince me to go to a doctor, but I just, I wasn't gonna do it until I turned 18. So five years or so later, I finally decided, you know what, nothing's changing, things are getting worse. It's important to see a doctor. So I went to an endocrinologist and I remember sitting there in one of those very white sterile rooms, I'm sitting on that crinkly paper with you know, a gown that opened to the front, feeling very exposed. I had ultrasound goo all over my throat and my belly. And she sat across from me looking at her notes. She didn't even look at me and proceeded to tell me that I had now been diagnosed with a chronic hormonal condition called PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome. And that I also had some thyroid nodules. She wanted me to start on multiple medications right away. So this was a big shock to me, right? I was a teenager. I I didn't expect there could be anything wrong with my body, Um, but I was also type A. I was gonna do what my doctor told me. So I started taking those medications right away. And she had told me, let's check back in in four years. Um, Likely things will be balanced. And so I just held that in my mind. Like, I can do this. I can get through four years. Um, But I started to have a lot of side effects from the medications. I, I had constipation. I had headaches. I wasn't sleeping well. I was gaining even more weight. I just kept pushing through. And I feel like a lot of people do that, especially women, you know, you have your job or your kids or whatever it is, you have to just keep functioning, even when you're not feeling well, and you feel like maybe you don't know what else there is out there for you, your doctor says take this medication, so you think that's, that's all you can really do. So I went back to that endocrinologist after four years, she made no mention of me getting off medication. In fact, she let me know that if I ever wanted to get pregnant in the future, I would need to take more medication in order for that to happen or some type of intervention. So that was really a shocking thing for me and pretty devastating to just know that my entire future was going to be dependent on medication. So. Probably as many of your listeners have done, I started to do research to try to figure out how I could help my own body. And eventually, I came across naturopathic medicine, and decided that that was the perfect thing for me because it bridges kind of both conventional medicine and a natural approach. Um, it uses both modalities, which is really great. Um, but I started to learn that you know food is important and balancing hormones and your stress and emotions and and all of these things, fitness levels impact your health and that I was not just a diagnosis, I was actually a human being and there were things that I could do to really benefit my health. So I ended up going to naturopathic medical school, became a doctor after all, just because I felt it was so important for everyone to really have the same information that I got to really learn how you can take control of your health and be empowered and not have to be so reliant on medications, for example
0: that's that's quite um an experience so uh, i've gone through at a very young age and um, interesting how it led you in your career direction and i and i'm guessing you love what you do so you yes. <laughs> that's great you, you started uh, you ended that conversation going into my um next question really like to mm-hmm. uh, enlighten our audience a little bit more about uh, naturopathic medicine what is it um, exactly how is it different from the conventional medicine that people are, uh, are used to? Uh, what are the pros? What are the cons? If there are any, you know, just kind of like diving a bit deeper into the, the entire practice type of um, medical practice it is.
1: Yes, that's a great question. So really with naturopathic medicine, like I was touching on, it's the same in terms of naturopathic physicians go to medical school, four years of medical school, just like regular conventional MDs. The first two years are very similar to regular medical school focused on science, learning pharmacology and minor surgery, all those things. But the second two years are a little more focused on natural remedies. So whether that's herbs and supplements, nutrition, mindset, meditation, all of these things that really make up a a real vital lifestyle. Um, And so how I like to kind of paint the picture of the differences, the distinction between the two models is if you think about a check engine light in your car. So for example, you're driving, all of a sudden that check engine light comes on, what do you do? You go to your mechanic, the mechanic plugs in his computer and he says, hey, why don't I just reset this light for you and you can be on your way, right? Mm-hmm. So you're like, awesome, no, no time, no effort, I, it's all good. Well, what happens the next day then? likely that check engine light is gonna come back on because you haven't actually addressed the problem. So this is what happens with conventional medicine. It is great for emergency medicine, acute problems. If you break your arm, if you have a heart attack, conventional medicine is amazing. But for long-term chronic conditions, management of that it really does a poor job because what happens is you end up on these medications and all they're doing is masking the symptom, right? So if you're on a high blood pressure medication or or cholesterol medication, or even if you're taking something over the counter for constipation, or maybe you just drink caffeine because you're tired, right? If you don't do those things the next day, those symptoms come back up because you haven't gotten to the root of the problem. So that's where naturopathic medicine is a little bit different because we're gonna look under the hood, right? We're gonna figure out why are you constipated, right? Why do you have high blood pressure or high cholesterol? What is going on there? So we can actually address that. So you're not so dependent on a medication every day to just mask that symptom. Okay.
0: Thank you so much for Enlightening us on that. I'll go on to focus more on gut health and talk about food. and But I want us to start by talking a little bit about why exactly is gut health so important? Because today it seems to be like a trending topic in many circles. So people want to understand what they can do to improve their gut health, what they can, you know, so just many questions along those lines, but really just um, isolating the gut on its own. Why is it really important to overall well-being?
1: Yes, so the gut is hugely important, especially from a naturopathic perspective, because your gut, not only is it where you absorb nutrients, right, to make the cells in your body and, and give you energy and all of that, but it's also where your hormones are made. It's also where your neurotransmitters are made. So if you have stuff going on in your gut, it can also affect what's going on in your brain. And it's also where 80% of your immune system is housed. So if you have any issues with your immune system, so maybe it's an autoimmune condition or you're just trying to have better immune health, if you have any issues going on with hormones, right? whether it's reproductive hormones or thyroid hormones, adrenal hormones, whatever it is, and, or if you have any kind of digestive issues, all of those are gonna stem from the gut. So that's why it's so hugely important.
0: That's that's significant. Uh, If everything stems from that area, it's really significant. So how does uh, food play an important role in enhancing your gut health or otherwise? Both ways.
1: Yes, food is so incredibly important. And I feel like many of us are so disconnected from what we're putting in our mouth, right? What we eat at the end of our fork becomes ourselves. So food is critical because it can make or break inflammation in your body. If you're eating really inflammatory foods, which can be different for every single person because we're all unique and our immune systems react differently to different things, but that can cause an overall level of inflammation in your body and make it so eventually, what can happen when you have inflammation in your gut Not only does it affect your neurotransmitters and your hormones, but your intestinal cells can start to separate from inflammation. And what happens then is when you're eating something or if you have any toxins or anything that comes through your gut, it can start to leak straight out into your bloodstream. And then what happens when you have toxins or even food particles that have leaked into your bloodstream, your immune system, your immune cells are in your blood and they start to attack those toxins or that food. And so over time that can create more food sensitivities and more inflammation in your body. And ultimately down the road can lead to autoimmunity because that's essentially how it arises, more and more antibodies coming up from, from different foods reading. So so, so critical to eat foods that are really feeding your your cells, creating a nice strong integrity in your gut lining so that isn't happening.
0: That's that's really interesting, especially the um, analogy you made with how it impacts the gut, the walls in your gut, that's that's quite a bit. So in a case where people have not been so careful and um, the damage has been done, like the leaky gut that I just talked about, can it be reversed? Is it something that you can correct over time um, by changing your diet or is there a special treatment for that?
1: Yes, definitely. So leaky gut or intestinal permeability can certainly be addressed. A, you have to remove the triggers, right? Whatever foods you're eating that are causing inflammation in your body, you have to remove those so your gut can heal. You might have to take some essential nutrients that can help to feed those enterocytes or your intestinal cells so that they can repair themselves. Um, But it's certainly possible to do. We do it every day in my clinic, especially for, for those who are having digestive symptoms and or those who have autoimmunity, even if they aren't having digestive symptoms, that's one of the big pieces that goes along with autoimmunity is that leaky gut situation.
0: That's, that's really interesting and, and kind of like builds up on some of the questions I had for you. I mean, my, my next question in terms of people have, <clears throat> excuse me, people have, um, they, have a partic- they have a particular pattern of eating uh, maybe from birth or from childhood. And as they grow older, um, they realize they become more sensitive to those foods, even though they might be healthy nourishing food types, but they become more sensitive. And that might be related to some of the sensitivities you were talking about, that developing sensitivity over time. Anyways, my my next question is really about the gut microbiome, the ecosystem we have within us. So you have the healthy bacteria, you have the um, up with some um, good bacteria, not so good bacteria. You know, I'm just trying to keep it basic and simple. Um, the dynamics in the gut ecosystem changes as we grow older. And sometimes it's not favorable in terms of the changes. You allow the not so good bacteria to um, outgrow the good ones. And mm-hmm. I, I just want you to shed a bit of light into that area. What do people do that may trigger growth for the not uh, the unhealthy or the not so good bacteria that could be corrected
1: yes so there's so many things that can trigger that like you said your your microflora in your gut is changing all of the time or your microbiome so it's influenced, yes, by things you eat, but it's also influenced by medications, antibiotics, for example. That's a big one that if you're taking antibiotics, that really can suppress your good bacteria and give opportunity for some of your bad bacteria to overgrow, for example. But stress can certainly do this as well. And if you are eating while you are stressed, That is a really big thing that a lot of people don't know about. Um, I actually, prior to going to medical school, ended up having SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So just what we're talking about. And that literally arose from me working two jobs, going, doing all my prerequisites for, for medical school. And I would be running down the sidewalk between my two jobs, eating food as I was running, because I didn't have any time, right? And eventually, I would get bloated every time I ate, right? And it was painful. And I was having constipation and all of this stuff going on. And I'm like, why? I'm not necessarily eating that badly. But if you're doing something else when you're eating, if you're working on your computer, if you're having a stressful conversation with your spouse, if you're literally running down the sidewalk, Mm -hmm. then blood is shunted away from your digestive tract and into your limbs, for example, because your body thinks you're in stress mode, you need to run from a tiger. So that food then sits in your gut and in your intestines and it can ferment. It can, it can cause bacteria to create gases that create that whole bloating situation. So that's a big thing that I like to tell people is really pay attention to what you're doing when you're eating. That's huge for your digestive symptoms. Um, but yes, medication does that eating bad foods in general, inflammatory foods can throw things off. Um, so there's there's all sorts of things that can do it, toxins.
0: And and of course, um, to correct that, it's pretty much just paying attention, calming down, paying attention when you eat. That's, that's actually absolutely, um, spot on in terms of a lot of people today just think about for like well, something i just need to check off like just get this over with you know but being mindful when you sit down to hit is uh, really really important and let's talk about the different food types you know um you mentioned just now in the your, your response a few minutes ago that there's some food that uh just not so good that you call them inflammatory foods so what mm-hmm. what food types are those what kind of food um are not particularly uh, good for your um, gut microbiome and which ones are the good ones that everyone should include in their diet every day you know
1: yes so Inflammatory foods can really change depending on each person, because we're all unique. We have our own food sensitivities that occur. Some people are reactive to gluten, for example, but not everyone is reactive to gluten. So there's different ways that you can figure that out. But in general, of course, sugary foods are going to be inflammatory. Alcohol, for example, caffeine, those are They they cause stress hormones to rise in your body, which creates inflammation. So those are big ones. But the things you really want to focus on, good foods, is making sure that at every meal you have protein, healthy fats. So healthy fats are things like avocado, avocado oil, coconut oil, coconut, olives, olive oil, ghee is a great one, nuts and seeds, Um, fish can have really good healthy fats depending on the quality of the fish. So you wanna have that at every meal and then you wanna have vegetables at every meal. So yes, including breakfast, it's important to have that at every meal. And I like to say, make sure that your plate has five colors on it. The rainbow, right? To make sure that you're getting Nutrients from different types of food because if you eat the same food all the time, you're just getting the same nutrients, right? You need to have a spread. So, a colorful spread that shows us where you're getting a lot of antioxidants, and antioxidants help battle oxidative stress from things like inflammation.
0: That's absolutely great. And one of the key things I've realized is that sometimes those little things, those little changes create big impacts in your overall digestive health. Just be mindful of them. So let's talk a bit about probiotics and prebiotics. Um, You know, it's something you hear a lot of. Some people don't even know what it is. What is prebiotics? What is probiotics? And should they be part of your diet? What age should they be part of the diet? Should they be part of the diet right from childhood or it's something you introduce as you grow older? Um, And yeah, just a bit more about those two.
1: Yeah. So probiotics are kind of the good bacteria, the good bugs in, in your gut prebiotics are what feed those good bugs. So often people like to take prebiotics and probiotics together because you're taking the bugs along with their food so that they can survive. In terms of when you should be taking prebiotics and probiotics, yes, they are important your whole life. So especially if you were a baby who maybe wasn't a vaginal birth, maybe you were a C-section, you didn't quite get all of the good bacterial in your mom's vaginal canal as you went through. So probiotics can be really helpful there. Or if you're not breastfed, that's another place you can get some of those things. So that can be helpful even as a baby to have probiotic supplementation. Um, So throughout life, for sure. But what you have to be careful with, with prebiotics and probiotics is that if you have an overgrowth situation going on in your gut, Mm. it's not necessarily just bad bacteria that overgrow. So good bacteria can overgrow too. And bacteria's waste products is gas. Right. So if you start to get a lot of bloating, for example, sometimes that can be because you have too much bacteria and if you're taking probiotics or if you're taking prebiotics and you're continuing to feed those bugs. That can cause more of an imbalance in your body. So it's super important to really consult with your healthcare provider, especially one who's familiar with probiotics and prebiotics because It depends on what the strains are, too. You don't want to take a strain that's going to cause more bloating for you, right? So there's a little further investigation you need to do, but you can also get prebiotics from foods. So leeks, onions, garlic, asparagus, chicory, uh, Jerusalem, artichokes, those are all great prebiotic foods, so you don't necessarily always have to supplement
0: that's interesting that's really interesting that was um it's it's good to understand it better that sometimes it's just um it's not just that you are having um something good to yourself sometimes you're enabling um something not too good as well so it's good to always talk with an healthcare professional and that's one thing i i like emphasizing a lot and that was why i started this um episode with the same thing as well that it's always important to talk to your physician about all these things we're all very very different and um a physician will have all your information and can say oh yeah this is what's going on in you and this is what will work best for you unlike yeah. um yeah yeah so. more
1: is not always better right? exactly
0: <laughs> exactly exactly so um I want to ask you a bit about metabolism, you know, um, people say like, some people will say, Oh, I have a very fast metabolism. Oh, I have a slow metabolism. And of course, how that plays out with, um, weight gain and, um, and the dynamics that goes with that too, in terms of, um, uh, yeah. Uh, the way your body processes, what you eat. So one key thing that I want to add to that question, um, before, um, before we move on is more of people change too. And I wonder why. Like you might some somebody might have at a particular stage in life have a very fast metabolism and then later it changes. So what are the dynamics around metabolism? Do you mind shedding some light on that?
1: Sure. There's a lot of things that can change your body's physiology that way. What I would say is the biggest culprit generally is hormonal changes. So especially women who go through the menopausal transition, that can be a big one for kind of slowing down metabolism. People tend to gain weight, especially in their belly section, Mm. right? So that's a big one. So even if you're eating the same you always ate and you're working out as much as you always worked out, your hormones are what's shifting. And so your thyroid is really what's responsible a lot of the time for metabolism. So depending on what's going on with your thyroid, that can be a big thing And your gut, it has to absorb the building blocks for thyroid hormone, right? But there's also foods you eat that can potentially block thyroid hormone so that's why it's so important to really know if you have a thyroid condition for example make sure you're eating the right type of diet for you if you're not eating foods that are blocking thyroid hormones you're you're eating things that are good cofactors to create that thyroid hormone for example did that answer for
0: you it did. yeah it did it did thank you so much and um when, when people talk about metabolism reset, is this something people, can you actually reset your um, metabolism and what does that look like?
1: Yes. So it is a little bit more complicated than, you know, flipping a switch, unfortunately, (laughs) but Really, I think what it comes down to is the body has a certain threshold for toxins and inflammation. And if you aren't doing the things that your body really needs to support detoxification pathways to get those things out, the toxins and the inflammation, then things start to be a little more sluggish. So if you think of um, like a dryer and the, the lint filter, when the lint gets really full in there, the dryer doesn't work as well right? Mm -hmm. You have to empty the lint out so that the machine functions better. So it's the same with your body. A lot of us aren't doing the things we need to every single day to make sure that our detox pathways are open, which one of the main ones is your gut so if you're constipated if you're having bloating or heartburn or anything like that that's a symptom that something is off a sign saying hey
0: we're not getting
1: things out properly right Mm -hmm. so super important if you want to reset things you have to really work on detoxification and detox is not just an event it's not just something you can just do once and then everything's good you really have to support your organs of detox so your liver your kidneys, your gut, your skin, that's what's really getting toxins out and decreasing inflammation. So that's a big thing for resetting metabolism. And then of course, balancing hormones, which like I said earlier, if your gut isn't healed, then it's gonna be really hard to balance your hormones since that's where they're made. So you have to address all of those things. So it's a little bit complicated, but totally doable.
0: Okay. Uh, the, the most fun thing is it's, it's doable. And working yes. with your... Uh, healthcare professional, you'll be able to walk through all of those um, dynamics and um, intricacies as well. Thank you so much for sharing all this information with the audience today. It's it's been uh, very great. But um, as we wrap up, I want to ask you a question. If someone is listening today and would like to work on optimizing their health um, by just adjusting what they eat, where would you advise them to start or what advice would you give them?
1: So number one, I would say focus on having protein, healthy fats, vegetables at every meal, right? Space out meals by at least three hours because what we have in our our body is called a migrating motor complex. And when you eat something, it takes your body about three hours, a little more to move that food through your intestines, do what it needs to do. But if you start snacking again, if you're one of those Grangers, who goes around and eats little things all the time, your body starts to focus on that new food you've eaten, and the food that's left in your intestines can sit there and ferment, because it's not fully digested yet. So really important to space out your meals to have that protein, healthy fat, vegetables at every meal. Um, And then just focus on eating when you're eating, right? Don't be driving, don't be talking If it's a stressful conversation, don't be working out or any of those things that's distracting your body because your body doesn't know what it should focus on, right? So just do one thing. I know we like to be multitaskers, but when food is considered, considered, it's super important to really just sit down, enjoy your meals, think about how it's nourishing you, have gratitude, all of those things, because that's going to keep inflammation down as well.
0: That's really great. And I really like your responses because it shows that holistic approach. You're thinking about uh, the mind, the body and everything integrated together because it really does matter. It's uh, it's interesting. And, you know, even in genetics, we talk about it that a lot of people think genes and then outcomes. Outcomes could be disease, could be anything. So once I have the genes for it, it's going to happen. But the environment is a big part of it. And uh, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I really like how your... Um, uh, your responses integrate the component of the environment, what you do, how you're doing it, and things like that to um, your outcomes. Really, really great. So if someone is looking to connect with you, how can they connect with you? I'm guessing with COVID, you have some virtual component to your service now. So tell us a bit about that.
1: Yes, exactly. We are working virtually. We originally had a clinic in New Jersey, and we're actually now working on opening one up in Florida as well. So we're growing and expanding, which is always great. But right now, everything's virtual, so super easy to connect with us from wherever you are. Um, Our clinic is called Nature Medicine Clinic. And so our website is just naturemedicineclinic.com and you can find us there, give us a call and, and we're happy to chat and learn more about what's going on with you.
0: That's great. That's really great. Thank you so much for uh, connecting with our audience today. And for anyone listening uh, today, thank you for making time to listen to this episode. And until the next time when I bring another exceptional guest your way, uh, stay safe and we'll connect with you soon. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. Just one. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I'd like to share a very important tool that makes it very easy for me to prepare this podcast every single episode with you. And that tool is a platform called Anchor. Anchor is a platform created by Spotify, which makes it very easy to record, edit, merge, insert music into your audio, and just prepare everything you need for each of your episodes it also makes it easy for you to work with your team as well they could prepare the files for you and you upload easily or they upload for you whatever you want to do with preparing for and broadcasting your podcast anchor makes it easy so check it out it's free to create your account and I also want to add this as a sponsored segment thank you again for listening to this episode I look forward to connecting with you again in the future Thank
1: you for joining us for another session of Food and Health Talks. We invite you to subscribe to this channel, share this with your friends and colleagues, and don't forget to leave a review for us. Together, we are joining hands to shape a healthier future of food.